Sunday, I'd like to speak to you about the renewal of repentance. There is a moving that is happening in the United States right now, and I think it's actually happening around our world as well, where people are experiencing the presence of God, the glory of God, and it's bringing them to that place of repentance, renewal, uh, a fresh commitment to God, and that's something that we desire. We want to see that as well right here, and so uh, that's what I'd like to share with you here this morning, and if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Matthew 3, reading verses 1 and 2, and then jumping down to verse 11 and 12, so just a few verses there that we'd like to uh, speak to you about. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Then down to verse 11, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be a slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and to our understanding here this morning. Well, this morning I want to share with you about a renewal that is happening throughout our world in regards to repentance. There is a God move on that is touching many people, even during this time of COVID that is affecting the world. And what is happening, it seems to be very much like the book of Matthew, starting all over again, where we're seeing people uh, come running to God and seeking God, repenting of their sins and being baptized. And it's quite interesting to read some of those stories of what is happening right now. Now, as we compare that to the day of John the Baptist, very, very similar to what is happening right now. He was preparing the way for the coming of Jesus the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And in preparation for that coming, people were to repent of their sins and turn to God uh, in faith through Jesus Christ. And this was the message that not only John was preaching, but as Jesus came on the scene and was baptized by John, Jesus also began to preach this importance of repentance from our sins and a turning to God. Matthew 4, 17, just a couple chapters later. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. So that's a message that John the Baptist preached. That's a message that Jesus preached. That's a message that the apostles preached. And it's a message that is still going out into our world today. Now, throughout the years, this message has been faithfully preached uh, century after century after century, and it is an important message. Unfortunately, uh, along with that, there's also been a lot of preaching of that message being watered down, a watered down version where there is no need of repentance, and many have fallen victim uh, to this lie that grace excuses all of our behavior and that we don't need to repent at all. But thank God that churches and pastors are continuing to preach the whole gospel. They're still out there, praise the Lord, for that. And uh, there's still that need of repentance even in our world today. We have not arrived where we are better than previous generations. Every generation must come to that place where they repent of their sins and turn to faith and God. And right now there is a fresh move of God happening where there is a renewal of that very message and being taken seriously. And, and to me, the only thing I can compare it to after reading about it and reading a few books on it is like the start of the New Testament all over again. Uh, just like where people were, were running to John the Baptist, they were running to turn from sin, turn to God, get baptized to show that they're serious about their commitment to God. And that's what's happening uh, around our world right now. On that day, back in the book of Matthew, uh, people were responding. They repented of their sins. They got baptized. They got serious 
about their faith in Christ. And that's something that needs to happen again. As I said, every generation must come to that place where they repent of their own sins and make that choice to turn to God. And that's happening. We're seeing right now from uh, seniors uh, to children, uh, the whole gamut of people coming to Jesus Christ, turning to him, getting water baptized, and experiencing God in fresh ways. And that's what we want to experience here. That's what I want to experience in my own life. And I know in this room and those who are watching on the internet, I know that's your desire as well. We need that in our world today. We need this message of repentance and to take it seriously, getting ourselves ready and prepared for the coming of the Lord. For John the Baptist, it was the the initial coming of Christ, but for us today, it's the second coming of Christ that we need to be prepared for, and the same preparation is still necessary. We repent of our sins, and we turn to God. And so we really need to see this renewal of repentance in the Canadian church. As we look at the Canadian church, we've been seeing a decline in the Canadian church for numbers of years. And uh, we need to see that change. We need to see that to turn around and start rising up where we start seeing the church rise in Canada and more and more people coming to the faith in Jesus Christ. And so I want to look at what is necessary to be part of this repentance renewal that is taking place in our world. And so I'm going to share with you what uh, John the Baptist and what uh, Jesus is telling us here in this book of Matthew about what is necessary to prepare ourselves to be part of a renewal of repentance. And then after I go through that, I want to share with you some of the stories uh, from these individuals that have been experiencing uh, this renewal and tell you about their stories because it is uh, quite remarkable and it's something that uh, we desire to see right here in all of Canada as well. So first of all, to experience any kind of renewal with God, there needs to be a repentance of sin. Uh, sometimes, you know, we, we like to avoid repentance. You know, we like to, you know, follow the, uh, the, the circuits that are out there or the revival circuits, conference circuits, and we just go from place to place to place and, you know, wanting to, you know, experience more of God. But if we really want to experience more of God, it starts with repentance. It starts with a looking at ourselves and seeing where we are spiritually and dealing with our own sin instead of looking around to see everyone else's sin, but dealing with our own sins. The repentance of sin needs to be taken seriously. Matthew 3, 2 says, repent of your sins. Now, repentance means to be genuinely sorry for our sins that we've been living. So sorry that we actually stop sinning. We stop doing those things that we know are offensive to God. Repentance is to have a sincere regret, a remorse that will cause us to change how we live our lives. And unfortunately, uh, in a lot of the churches today, we see a very weak repentance. We want to believe in Jesus. We want to get that ticket to heaven, so to speak. But we're not really sorry for our sin. Because if we're sorry for our sin, we will turn from our sin. We will stop sinning and not return. And again, sadly, many Christians have turned back to their old sins, to their old way of living and thinking that, well, God doesn't mind. And really, I call that cheesy grace. And uh, it's a wrong interpretation of grace. But it's been a problem that's been around for a very long time. Actually, it's in the Bible. The apostle uh, Paul began to speak about this problem where people were taking grace to extreme to excuse their sin. Listen to what he says in Romans 6, 1 to 4. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, notice that, we're supposed to have died to sin. How can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. We were speaking death over our sins. We were speaking death over the way that we used to live when we were down into the waters. And as we came up out of those waters, we were rising to a new way of living in a new life. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by his glorious power of the Father, 
Now we also may live new lives. We're supposed to be living new lives. We're not supposed to be going back and thinking, you know what, all that stuff wasn't sinful. Friends, if God told you to stop, God told you to stop. Whether it's in a book that it was sinful or not, it doesn't matter. If God told you to stop something, then you need to stop. It's as simple as that. We need to stop treating grace as a license to sin, excusing our fleshly appetite and to start repenting. And it is a time to turn from sin, to say no to sin and start striving to live in obedience to God's word. When we accepted Christ, when we were baptized, we were testifying about this act of baptism that we were saying goodbye to our formal way of living. It's a testimony to say that, hey, world, I have changed. I've made a new decision. I've made a choice to walk in a different way. And as we got baptized, that's what we were declaring. But many Christians have gone back and have started living like they used to, showing the world that I thought you changed. I thought that you made a decision to change your life. Well, you're no different than I am. And so we need to bring that back again where there's true repentance and a true change in our lives. Our baptism signified death of our old ways. And if it's something that's dead, you don't raise it up again. It's dead. And so if we're picking up our old ways again, then we need to come to that place where we say, I I repent, God. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm doing that which is wrong. Please forgive me. And if we want renewal, revival, a move of God, whoever terminology you want to use, if you want to see signs, wonders, and miracles, if you want to see uh, people's lives being transformed, then we best begin to take a look at ourselves and see if there's any wicked way in us and if there's anything that would be offensive to God in us. And if there is, then we need to repent. We need to come to that place and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to make a change in my life today and take our Christianity seriously. That's the first step. Then secondly, in experiencing renewal, there needs to be a turning to Christ. Matthew 3, 2, repent of your sins and turn to God. To experience renewal, we need to turn to God and to the person he sent as the Savior of the world because there is no other Savior. Jesus is it. There are no others. It's amazing how even as Christians today that Christopher spoke that, that progressive Christianity where it's actually getting to the place so far away from Christ that we're starting to say, oh, well, everyone's going to make their way to God. That's called new age, friend, not Christianity. We're to repent of our sins. He's the savior of the world. There is no other. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is the one that we need to turn to. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer to all the problems that are happening in our world today. I know, you know, we, we post about this, we post about that, we say our opinions on this and our opinions on that. Let me tell you, the answer still is Jesus. And I don't care what the problem is out there or what the difficulty is out there, the answer is still Jesus. It really is. And so we need to take that relationship with Christ seriously. Not just to believe in him, but to follow him. If you're going to be a disciple of Christ, then you're going to follow him. You're going to follow him in his ways. You're going to do those things that he does. And turning to God, you're changing directions in your life. You were going in one direction. Now you're turning the complete opposite way and going in a different direction. You're living by his ways and not your ways. You're choosing obedience over disobedience. You're making a a complete turnaround in your life where Christ becomes your focus. He becomes your priority. And if you want renewal, then we need to turn our lives around to focus upon him. Thirdly, to experience renewal, there needs to be a fresh baptism. The people coming to John the Baptist knew of God, but they were not really living for God. 
So they started with repentance and they entered into the waters of baptism again to show that, you know what, we're recommitting our lives to God. We really haven't been following him the way that we should. We're not ready for the Messiah to come. And so we're starting over again. And so that's what they did. And may we recognize as well where we are at with God. And if we're not ready for the Messiah to return, then we too need to repent and get, make things right with God. And even maybe consider being baptized again. It was interesting uh, uh, just emailing back and forth with Jim Snipe. And one of the things that he's feeling to do is to build a baptismal tank in their church because he's believing for a harvest and there's going to be a harvest and a lot of people wanting to be baptized. And I'll give a little bit more uh, about that, but that's true. That's what's happening right now. I've been kind of wondering, maybe I need to stick the baptismal tank maybe off here to the side and just leave it up to start believing God that he's going to start bringing people in. They're going to get saved. They're going to decide to get baptized and they're going to really live for God. And so... That's something we need to get serious about. We really do, about baptism. And uh, as we get serious about, uh, about the Lord, God's going to start doing some pretty awesome things. And I, I like he, what uh, John the Baptist says here in Matthew 3, 11. He says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be a slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Well, the first thing to do in renewal is obviously deal with our sin. First thing to do in renewal is say, God, I'm sorry, I repent. I'm sorry that I haven't been keeping you as a priority in my life and that we repent before God and then get water baptized. And I don't have a problem with baptizing people more than once. Like if you've gone away from God and you got to a place where uh, you're coming back to him and you're more serious about God, yeah, let's get baptized just like they were in John's day. Many of those people were baptized as Jews. And here they are being baptized again as a baptism of repentance. And maybe we need that again. We just start baptizing people as a symbol of repentance uh, on their behalf. Anyway, John goes on here to say, but there's also another baptism that God is wanting to show to us. And, and, and that's a, a baptism of fire. And, and I think that's something that's really, really needed. And it is taking place. It really is. I'm hearing lots and lots of testimonies how people are encountering God in the baptismal tank. Kind of sounds like an unusual thing uh, even for us as evangelicals and charismatics, that God's encountering people as they're in that baptismal tank. And anyway, well, there's a fire that John talks about, a, a fire that grants a new boldness, a new power in our lives. And that's something that we, we need a holy fire to come that burns away the dross in our lives. It, it goes beyond our excuses it goes beyond where we think, oh, I've got nothing to repent of. Everything's good with me and God. We're doing great, doing wonderful. Well, the fire of God will show you that. No, you're not. There's some things that you need to deal with, and it will burn those things out of there. And, and that's what we need, a holy fire to burn that dross away. It burns away the desires to sin. It breaks the bondages of sin over our lives. It removes the doubts and the confusion and empowers us to live for God. And, and so that's another baptism that we should be seeking and praying. You know, we, we sang it in a song here today, come Holy Spirit. We, we need you. We really do. We need the Holy Spirit. And to baptize us afresh with a fire from heaven. So some fresh baptisms is a good thing. Whether that be a literal baptism where you're going down in the waters again to show that, listen, I, I just want to tell everybody that Jesus is meaning so much more in my life right now and I just want to have a fresh baptism of repentance before you all to show you how serious I am with God. Or if it's a baptism by fire where the Holy Spirit starts to burn inside of you. There's such a fire that you just can't let it go that you got to pursue God. Fourthly, if you want to experience renewal, there needs to be a focus on the Lord's coming. Let us not forget that the Lord is coming again. I think as a church, we've kind of, fallen asleep in that regard. I know if you've been brought up in a, uh, 
evangelical church, you've probably heard many messages years ago about the coming of the Lord and people talking about the coming of the Lord. But in recent years, maybe you don't hear that as much. It's starting to come up again, and it needs to come up again because the Lord is returning. And I believe he is returning soon. When you look at all the signs that are happening in our world today, it could literally be any day. Listen to what it says here in Matthew 3, 2 to 3. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He's a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. And I believe there's another call that's going out today, just like John the Baptist, where there are many people calling out to the churches and to people in our world today to clear the way, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, for his coming is soon. And so if you want the Lord in your life, if you want to be prepared for the return of Christ, again, there needs to be that repentance of sins, that turning uh, towards faith in Jesus Christ and following him. There needs to be a seriousness to prepare ourselves spiritually and to be ready spiritually for his turn, because that's something that's very, very important. Jesus is coming again. He told his disciples that he would appear just like they saw him leave in the clouds of the year. He'll be coming back in the clouds of the year. He will be bringing reward and judgment with them. And when he returns, he's expecting us to be a ready church. He's expecting the church to be ready. He's expecting Christians to be ready. Matthew 24, 44, you also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. So readiness, very important. We don't want to be caught unaware or worse, not ready. When Jesus returns, he's expecting us as his servants to be found faithful, ready spiritually, and being busy about his affairs. Then lastly, to experience renewal, there needs to be a separation of those who are for God and those who are not. A separation will take place between those who are ready to meet God and those who are not. There is no middle ground. There is no being lukewarm. Being lukewarm doesn't cut it. The Bible talks about it. The book of Revelation, you read the book of Revelation, doesn't take you too long. You get in there three chapters and boom, it's talking about don't be lukewarm. Because if you're lukewarm, Jesus said, I will spit you out of my mouth. We don't want to be lukewarm when he returns. He's coming for a church that is ready. Not a church that's asleep, not a church that's being disobedient, but a church that is ready. And John the Baptist, he warns his hearers that a time of separation is coming where the Messiah Jesus will separate those who are for him and those who are against him. And so obviously you need to make sure you're on the right side. When that separation comes, are you going to be on that side or this side? You need to make sure you're on God's side when that time comes. Listen to what he says, Matthew 3, 12. He's already ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. I can tell you something. There are many Christians who are not ready to meet God. They're not ready for the return of Christ. They're not taking their Christianity seriously. They have grown cold, indifferent, critical, confused, lukewarm. And the Bible says that's a terrible condition to be found in. Listen to what it says about his return and being ready for us as Christians. Matthew 24, 46, 51. So you start at the front of Matthew, go to the end of Matthew. This is what it says. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while, and he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk, that master will return unannounced, unexpected. He will cut that servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites and that place will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm telling you, that wicked servant 
as many a Christian today is more concerned about themselves, their feelings, their pleasures, and partying than the things of God. If you want renewal, there's going to be a separation. People are going to start seeing who's a Christian and who is not. It's going to become obvious who's a follower of Christ and who is not. The blending with the world and this confusing Christianity is going to stop because God's followers are going to be really easy to identify. You need to expect as that separation starts taking place that you will lose some friends, but you're also going to impact more people who will look to Christ and become Christians because they're going to see Jesus in you. So now is a time to serve the Lord faithfully. Now is the time to get serious about a relationship with God because the time of separation is at hand. Now, as I preach about this, these are things that are on my heart. Those are things that are important to me. This would be my heart cry, not just for our church, but for our world around us. I want our Christianity to be real, and I think the world does too. And as you come to this church or if you're listening online or you're listening, well, what does this church preach or what, what does this church you know, plan to do? Well, this is what we're preaching. We want to see people experience God, have a real experience with God. We want to see people that come into this church that have life-changing transformation to take place in their lives. We want to see people that come to this church be encouraged and strengthened in their walk with God. We want to see people come to this church to experience healing, deliverance, changes in their lives. Now, we're not a perfect church. I'm not a perfect pastor. We're just ordinary people striving to live for God, to see our region changed by the power of Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're pursuing. We want to see lives changed in our community in our church. We want to see people encountering Christ, experiencing his presence, experience that insurance that he is real. We want to see people transformed, set free from the bondages and addictions that are in our world. We want to see people empowered to live for God, to break free from false Christianity and see people healed of all diseases. We want to see the miraculous. Now, that's not a far-fetched idea. See, we, a lot of Christians are starting to get that in their minds or listening to the lies of the enemy and say, well, that's a bunch of far-fetched stuff. That's never going to happen. Like, we've been praying that for years and we haven't seen it. Are you sure about that? Just last week, we had a number of testimonies. Did not those testimonies tell us of people whose lives have been changed, lives who've been transformed? You've heard that in your own church right here that that is taking place, but we're praying for more. We want more. We want to see that in an increasing measure and more people experiencing God. I just finished listening to a few interviews of individuals and was reading of their books um, who are seeing a renewal of movement arise right now. I found it interesting that it was our seniors in our church that gave me a call and said, Pastor, there's this particular interview that you should listen to and I really think it'll encourage you. And so I did. I, I listened to that. I was so encouraged by it, I bought the book that this person uh, just wrote. And then another senior in the church said, Pastor, you know that other interview you were talking about? Well, there's another one. You should look at that one. And I listened to that one, and I was so impressed, I bought their book. And I read both of those books. And they report of thousands that have come to Christ, who have repented of their sins with that desire to be water baptized. And as they're baptized, miracles happen. Now, one of those people that God is using, this was the first one uh, that a person referred to me to check out. His name was Todd Smith. And uh, he's pastoring a church uh, down in Georgia, USA, uh, Christ Fellowship Church. It's considered as the North Georgia Revival. That is happening even as we speak. And these people are encountering the presence and the glory of God in unusual ways. And as I was uh, reading in his book and listening to his interview, he, he's talking that as they're experiencing God, there's this huge repentance where people are weeping and crying and, and calling out to God to ask them 
to forgive them. And then there's huge desire to get water baptized. Now, when we think of the glory of God falling, you know, usually a lot of times we think of the you know, power, the blessings, the, the beauty, the splendor, the brilliance. But he points out to us that there's another word used for the glory of God in the Bible. And he says it's a Hebrew word, uh, COVID, K-O-V-O-D, not C-O-V-I-D. But this word COVID in the Hebrew means weight, a heavy weight referring to the glory of God falling where one can feel the thickness and the substance of God's presence and the sense that there's a heavy weight upon them. And I kind of got thinking about that. I said, isn't that interesting? It's very you know, similar in pronunciations to the COVID that we're experiencing in our world right now. But what has this COVID caused around the world? A heavy weight upon people. People are discouraged. People are fed up. They don't want to uh, do anything uh, with it anymore. They just want to be free of it. There's a heavy weight. That comes from the enemy. But God says, I want to give you another weight that's going to start falling upon this world. And a weight that's going to cause us to repent and cry out to God and asking God to forgive us of our sins and make those fresh commitments to serve the Lord. Now, this heavy weight, we see that in the Bible where it is found. We think of Moses and some of the priests, as it talks about in the Old Testament, where the presence of God began to fill the temple. And what happened is the presence and the glory of God fell in the temple. It says even the priests, they couldn't minister because the glory was so great. I'm thinking, that's what we need. Where God just starts speaking. It's not the preacher telling people, oh, you need to respond to God. They're hearing it for themselves. Direct line, God himself speaking to people and saying, you need to respond to me now. Anyway, this is what, how this pastor is describing what's happening in his church. It's been going on for a number of years. And he reports that this glory of God's presence is so strong that it's bringing conviction to people and making them aware of their own sins and how they are falling short. It's bringing a confrontation with church people and also unchurched people. That choices need to be made and it's time to stop making excuses, excuses and get right with God. The spotlight of God's glory is exposing sin and people are getting right with God. It's interesting as you continue to read, he talks about people are lining up to be baptized from little children to young adults. All age groups are are coming and they're wanting to get baptized or want to experience more of God. Such is the conviction uh, in their lives that they, they just want, even though they've been baptized before, I need to be baptized again because this is really serious for me now. But more than just being baptized, the story goes that they're having God encounters, they're having visions, they're having deliverances, they're being set free from demons, they're experiencing healings, being set free from depression, suicidal thoughts, while they're being baptized. I find that kind of interesting. I've never read about that before in other revivals, but as they're being baptized, that's when things are taking place. And quite remarkable to read of these stories of healing and This pastor is quite particular about making sure that anyone who claims a healing, that it's verified by doctors so that it would bring no disgrace to the church or to the miracles or to what God is doing. And talks about this story, and you actually, I was watching the video of a young boy born blind in one eye. And as he goes into the waters and as he rises up, you can see his reactions. All of a sudden, he can see out of the other eye. God healed him. Another one was a a lady with stage four cancer, healed from cancer and was verified the very next day because the next day she was going to see the doctor. She was going to have another one of these uh, examinations and uh, scans done of her body. And as they did this scan, they called her and say, ma'am, our our machine wasn't working right. You need to come back. And as she came back, the doctor said, you know, you have cancer, right? She said, yes. And he said, well, we got to test you again because our machine showed that you had no cancer. And so they checked her again. They scanned her again. And all the cancer was on the previous scans before she ever was baptized. They compared, they show you the pictures, all gone, totally gone. And another lady was with breast cancer. And again, healed, uh, verified as well. The cancer is gone. 
while they're being baptized. My favorite story comes uh, from the story of convicts being brought to the revival. And I'm thinking, how in the world can they bring these convicts out of prison? Like, how do you get people out of prison? Well, they're taking them out of prison to come to revival meetings. That's what revivals do. And I like this story of Robert. See, he was a prisoner that was brought to the revival. I don't know how in the world he was allowed to be there because he was a murderer. He was the head of the Aryan nation, a white supremacist group that hated blacks. He was the head of this group in his prison, and he became so powerful that even in solitary confinement, he controlled the Aryan gang activity in four other prisons. And I'm thinking like, oh, why would you bring a person like that out in the public? But they did because the revival meetings are going on. And anyways, in the service, he got convicted. And as he got convicted, he walked up to the the baptismal tank and said, I I want to be baptized. And uh, he was a very large, big man. And as he was baptized, he encountered God, rose up from those waters, weeping and crying like a baby. And he told the people that while under the water, he had a vision of Jesus' face, and it rocked him to his core. So in a moment, this violent, hate-filled man who took pleasure in watching people die was delivered from anger and hatred and drugs and in a moment, all in a moment when he was baptized. So authentic was his change that he went back to the prison and became the pastor of the prison. And he ended up serving with a black man who became his best friend and they began to reach out into their prison and start, instead of killing people, they started saving people and bringing people to Christ. That's what renewal and revivals can do. And we look at our world today with all this social, racial tension uh, that is happening in our world. I want to tell you, the answer is still Jesus. Jesus can solve it in a moment. In a moment, God can make the difference. I like what Todd Smith says about the problem of the church today. It really goes well with Christopher's message a few weeks back. And this is what he says. He said, tragically, this is the pastor of that church. He said, tragically, the woe is missing from our gatherings. And we replaced it with the wow factor. Worshippers are wowed by the messages, the lights, the production, the haze. But I believe that God wants the woe back in our meetings. The church, for the most part, has forgotten how to weep before God over our sins. They feel no need to. Why? We have, been, uh, dis- we have disgraced the grace of God by not emphasizing that grace was granted to pull you out of your condition, not to give you a free pass to remain there. The net result is that many have abused, manipulated, and applied grace to justify their sinful indulgences. People feel that God is indifferent about our actions and sin and nothing could be further from the truth. I couldn't agree with that gentleman any more than that. We need the woe back in our churches. We need the woe back in our Christianity where when we sin, it brings us to our knees, that we repent and we cry, God, I'm sorry that our sinful ways become right in our face, that we see them. And like in the book of Isaiah, where it says, woe is me, for I am undone because of a man of unclean lips. That's what happened with Isaiah when he encountered the glory of God. Oh, woe is me, Isaiah 6, 5. And that's what I'm seeking for in this church, that we would encounter the glory of God so strong, so weighty, that people would just suddenly be crying out to God, asking God to forgive them and to cleanse them from their sins and to encounter God in a mighty and transforming way. Now, another person that was involved in this renewal of repentance is a young lady by the name of Jessie Green. Again, one of our other seniors in our church uh, messaged me to say, you should check this one out. And I was really happy to because this is a young lady. So this would represent a lot of our younger generation, which, you know, when we look at the statistics in Canada, we see that the younger generation is the generation that really is the ones pulling away from God. And so it's good to hear a story of that younger generation pursuing God. Well, anyway, her and her husband, uh, they lived in New York. 
and uh, God gave them an encounter through a dream and told them to go to a certain beach in California and that they're to move there and they're to preach there and that many people would get saved and many people would get baptized. Well, her and her husband, they decided that obedience is something they've learned lived pretty terrible lives uh, before they got saved. And when they got saved, there was transformation in their lives and a whole new desire to serve God. And they chose obedience as the best way to serve God. So they sold everything they had, no job, no nothing, and they moved to California. And they began to try to reach out and started with a little home church and tried to reach out to people and began to preach on the beaches and, and uh, you know, responding to God's voice. And last summer, actually, you saw it on television, just that you didn't know what was really going on. But there was large crowds on the beach during COVID of last year. And what they were doing, this lady was there, they were worshiping God, and they were preaching and as they were preaching, the, even with the police and everyone else, people just kept coming. They just kept coming, not to go swimming, but to go to the beach and to hear a message about returning to God. And, and the story goes on that many got saved. So many got saved, they said, well, we want to be baptized. And they didn't know what to do. They said, I don't even know if you're supposed to do baptism. But they said, we just walked out into the water and told everyone wants to be baptized, walk out with us in the water. And then they just said, I don't know if this is the way you're supposed to do it or not, but once you get out deep enough, just dip yourself. Everyone do it. Or turn to the one behind you and you baptize them. And there was hundreds that got baptized. And I like what she says here. One of her quotes, she says, is the Jesus you are following the real Jesus at all? Does he confront your sin? Does he heal your pain? Does he empower you to go and serve others and self with love? That's a good statement to hear. She too saw miracles taking place as hundreds of people were baptized in the ocean. People were delivered from demonic strongholds, set free from depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. People were healed of physical conditions as they were baptized. Kind of sounds unusual, doesn't it? This is what she states in her book. She says, I believe there's something significant about baptism in the next move. I hear the Lord say, repent while you can. For years, I have felt a deep tension in the church. I sense the Lord is done allowing the secret sins in the church to go unnoticed. Every hidden agenda is coming into the light. Every secret sin. In the next few years, you will know very clearly who was for God and who was against him. The days of being lukewarm are over. And I can tell you, that is taking place right now. See, God deals with his church first. Then there's going to be a dealing with the world. There's a lot of lies happening around our world right now. Don't get too concerned about it because Jesus is going to take care of it. He's going to start exposing those things. But first of all, he's exposing it in his own church. He's telling the church, you best get ready. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the time to serve the Lord. And so he's He's working on the church first. He's exposing things in the church. He's exposing who's for him and who's against him. That will then go into our world as he starts exposing things in the world. That is taking place. That's what's happening in our world right now. And friends, I want to tell you, that's what I want. That's what I'm seeking. We need a renewal of repentance in our nation and our church, that we might call out to again to God to be saved, to be healed, to be delivered in Jesus' name. It's happening. It's starting to take place. And there will be salvations in the multitudes, healings that are real, deliverances that are real, transformations that are real. But there's a cost. The cost is that you got to look deep within yourself. Jesus, is there anything in me that is not pleasing to you? Jesus, is there anything that I've been doing in my life that you're putting the finger on and saying, you're not to be doing that anymore? We got to get to that place, each of us, as individuals here. No one exempt, all of us. Jesus, 
Is there anything in my life that's offending you right now? And if he shows us something, then we need to deal with it. We need to repent. We need to correct it. There's a cost of repentance. There's a cost of prayer, uh, of coming together and seeking the Lord, changing our schedules to be more on a God schedule because God is looking for fresh commitment and zeal for him. I want to encourage you to keep praying for renewal. Keep praying for revival, move of God, where there is a renewal of repentance, even right here in our own church, right here in our own community, right here in the region around us. Don't give up on dreams and prophetic words that were spoken over you and spoken over the church. Because now is the time to ready yourselves for what God wants to do. But it starts with us as individuals, that we look to ourselves. The words, of jo- the words spoken to Joshua as he is about to enter the promised land, Joshua 3, 5 says, purify yourselves. King James says, sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. If we want to see those great wonders, then there's a part of sanctifying, purifying, repenting before the Lord. And as we close here this morning, I'm going to ask the musicians to come back to the instruments just that we might have a time of reflection. And for those that are at at home, that you would just uh, take a moment before you get up and before you start preparing lunch and just take a moment and say, Jesus, is there anything that I need to be dealing with right now? Is there anything in me, Lord, that's not pleasing to you. Those are good prayers to pray all the time because lots of times I find that God surprises you and he he says something that you weren't expecting. He talks to you about something that maybe you didn't consider was all that big of a deal. And all of a sudden he says, I want you to stop that. And so Jesus, is there anything that we need to repent of? God, if there is, forgive us. Forgive us. We repent. And we ask that God that you would give us the strength, the ability, the power to rise up above those temptations, those struggles, those difficulties, those sins. That we'd rise up to a whole new place in you. God, we want the real. We're not satisfied with similar things. We want the real. We want to see real salvations. We want to see real transformations. We want to see the blind see, the deaf hear. Those who are sick, healed. Those tormented by demons, healed, delivered. Those suffering from depression, discouragement, healed those suffering from mental health issues, chemical imbalances, other areas in our bodies where our organs aren't maybe operating the way that they should or because of a result of surgery that our bodies aren't responding the way they used to. One moment with you, God, can change everything. And we welcome those moments to come where we'd encounter you in a very fresh way. Lord, if there be anybody here today that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you and saying, time to make things right. And I would pray that you would heed that, whether you're online or whether you're here in this building. And you would start off with a prayer and just say, Jesus, sorry. Forgive me. God, I repent. And I ask that you would help me that I won't live like that anymore. That I will rise above that struggle, that difficulty, that sin, that problem area in my life, that I will rise above it and serve you with my whole heart. So I pray that, Father, in the name of Jesus, whether they're here or whether they're watching online. And if you said a prayer like that, if you're here in this building 
tell somebody. Tell a neighbor or come tell me after the service. If you're online, message me. Message the church to say, hey, I said a prayer like that. Then maybe if you want to be baptized, we'll set up the baptismal tank again, start getting ready. Or if you're in a place, you're watching online, maybe you're on the other side of Canada, reading this, uh, these books, it was kind of funny listening to them. Uh, they both kind of entered their conversations to say, you know what? If you're in that place and you know you need to be baptized again, just go fill up your bathtub and get in there and dunk yourself. Just get baptized. Do something about it. But we can do it in church here too. We'd be very happy to fill up that tank again and start doing that. But think about that. Think about it. I want to see a renewal happen. I want to see real stuff take place. Real healings, real deliverances, real salvations, real transformations. I want to see the backslider come running home. I want to see people struggling in their faith all of a sudden rise up to a new empowerment in their lives. That's what I want to see. I trust you want to see that. So as we close, let's join in with this worship team as they sing this song. Make that commitment to God yourself. And afterwards, if you just want to come up to me and say, hey, pastor, I did that. Let me know. It's great having you in church. Great having you online. We speak blessing over you all. In Jesus' name. Let's stand as we close. Sing